message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Hi everyone, so good to be with you today. Thank you so much for being with us at uh, Jubilee Online, whether you're part of Jubilee Church in Derby or Burton the Family Church or, or from somewhere else. I'm thrilled that you're with us today. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start by thanking my friend Raj for his message to us last Sunday. If you missed it last week, I want to encourage you, watch it on Catch Up, listen to it on our podcast. It was a brilliant and inspiring message that uh, really made a fantastic start to our series on racism and diversity. And where Raj landed last week is really where I want to start this week. He finished with a quote from Psalm 67. And Psalm 67 is a worship song. We see in scripture, it's instruction in my Bible says with stringed instruments. And let's, let's read it together. In fact, Psalm 67 says this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. So Raj ended his message last week with this quote from Psalm 67, May the peoples praise you, O God, may all the peoples praise you. And I thought it was a good place to start this week, reading that whole psalm together. The Old Testament people of God would have sung it. It would have been a worship song for them and they would have been celebrating God's blessing on them. But also calling all nations, all peoples wherever they might be, to be glad and to sing for joy and to worship God as well. May all the peoples praise you, says the psalmist. Now, it's fair to say that throughout Old Testament history, this heart, this call for all nations to worship and to praise God was often forgotten. Too often, the Old Testament people of God thought it was just about God blessing them. They missed the second half that they were meant to be a blessing to others. They were meant to call others to worship this God of heaven who they had a relationship with, the God of heaven who they had a relationship with and were called into, into covenant with. Well, it's true that God wanted to bless them, but that's only half of the story. It was in order that they might be a blessing to the nations that they might demonstrate to the nations around them what it was like to, to live under God's rule and, and follow him in order they may call others into that covenant also. We can go all the way back to 
the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, the great Abrahamic promise that God makes to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So God promises to bless them. But it is in order that they might be a blessing to those around them as well. And friends, the same is true for us today. God does want to bless us. He really does. We, we believe that. But it's not in order that we might just go, hey, isn't it good that we're blessed and rejoice in that? No, no. It's in order that we might then be a blessing to those around us. A blessing to those that God has put around us, that he's put us in places, in localities, in communities, in towns, villages, in cities, in order that we might be a blessing to those around us and indeed might be a blessing to the nations. Back to Psalm 67. May all the people, all the peoples praise you, O God. God desires and indeed is raising up a glorious, multicoloured, multi-ethnic church. This great bride of Christ that we read about right throughout scripture. God is at work in calling his bride together. It's what he's doing. It's his great plan. We read about it in his word and we, we see it outworked even in our day and our time. And so because of this, it's very clear that there's no room for racism of any kind in God's church. We're, we're called to be the bride of Christ, this multicolored, multi-ethnic, glorious celebration of God's creation. And so there's no room for racism of any kind whatsoever in the church of God. We're, we're to model something quite different to the world around us, some, something quite different to what we may see in everyday culture. And so we need to stand against racism wherever we see it. And if the last few months since the awful death of George Floyd have taught us anything, it's that racism is all around us. It always has been. It hasn't just been a recent thing, but maybe many of us are now more aware of it than perhaps we were, say, six months ago. And we get to build something quite different in God's church, something quite different that he is calling us to. And we also as well have a voice into wider society. And it's not to say, hey, look at us, but rather look at him. Not look at us, but look at him. Look to Jesus. Look at what he's doing in the world. Look at these glorious, multicolored, multi-ethnic communities that he is building right around the world in all sorts of different places. No, they're not perfect yet. But wow, look at what God is doing. Look at what he's up to. And God has been doing this thing right from the beginning. Now, we'll look at some more scripture together in a moment. But before we do that, I want to play you an interview that I did earlier in the week. Great. So 
I'm here with T. T, it's so good to see you. Welcome. Hey, good to see you too. And what we wanted to do as part of this series is to uh, get some other voices, talk to people of different experiences and backgrounds. And uh, T, I'm thrilled that you've uh, offered to be part of this. So thank you very much. So um, for those of you who for those who don't know you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and say how you came to be in Derby and uh, part of Jubilee. Just give us a bit of background. Yeah. Okay. So I'm T. My full name is actually Tulwani Kilewihile. Hunadi um, Mabalani, but obviously <laughs> that's a bit of a mouthful for everybody, so yeah, we just stick with the first letter and stick a couple E's there. Um, so I'm originally South African, and I came over to the United Kingdom back in 2001, and uh, went straight to Sheffield, so that's where I did my high school, what you guys call secondary school, yeah. and did my A-levels there, and then I did university at Middlesex University and Staffordshire University and I did business management. So after that, obviously like everybody does, you move back home. And yeah, after all that freedom and independence, I was like, yeah, living at home is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I found, I started looking for jobs that were close enough to Sheffield that I could still go back and see everybody, but I wasn't like having to commute to and from. And, up came Derby, and Wonderful. there I am. Um, as for Jubilee, um, literally just Googled it, and that was the first church that came. My first Sunday, I felt right at home, even so much so that God gave me something to say, and I couldn't believe that somebody was like, yeah, <laughs> in line with what we're saying, I was like, okay, what might actually supposed to be, be here? So yeah, that's how I came to Jubilee, and really been there for the past seven eight years now wonderful excellent well we, we love having you in jubilee you're such an integral part of uh, of church life and so i'm i'm thrilled as as we all are that god's led you here and uh, i'm thrilled too that you're part of this journey with us as, as a church as we seek to grow in some areas and explore some things together obviously you and i have had some conversations about these things over recent weeks and months um and we, we said didn't we that we'd have this preaching series which we're in the middle of now yeah. So just give us a flavour then. What's it been like for you um, as a young black woman uh, living in Derby, living in the UK? And how have you found that? Well, surprisingly, um, I, as a child living in South Africa, I didn't really have any experiences of like racism, even though it was South Africa. Um, it was much more because I went to private schools and stuff. So everybody was kind of on a level and it wasn't anything to be spoken about. Well, it, nobody was treated any different. Yeah. Whereas now probably as an adult, um, there's nuances, um, small things like if I want to purchase something that's on the highest scale of things, or if I'm going out to dinner and I'm being flamboyant and stuff, just being myself, there's, kind of barriers to that so like um for instance a friend of mine went to dinner just a couple of weeks ago and i asked for the bill and as i was paying they were like oh are you sure and i was like yeah i'm sure 
<laughs> like it's not something that anybody else would ask. So it's not, it's, it hasn't, I can't say that there's been any big instance apart from one, which um, we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, for it's all the small things, just the gestures and kind of the distrust or the, it's like, I have to always prove myself. Right. prove why I'm allowed to be there or why why I have what I have it's like everything that I do I have to I have to have like a evidence or something of stature to be able to say okay fine yeah I have a right to be here so I've heard people use the phrase everyday racism to describe what may or may not be smaller things that in and of themselves wouldn't be perhaps as if it's a one-off and one one occasion in life wouldn't be a huge issue yeah. but it's something that happens regularly and daily is that the sort of thing you're describing is that a, is that a good phrase yeah. to use would you use that yeah so like if i would if, if i was to go into a shop i would be looked at and i'd be watched while i go around the shop whereas right. somebody else who was white wouldn't be watched around the shop yeah okay now i, I understand understand okay so that's that's really helpful and as, as a white guy that's that's not something that that i've experienced at all and, <laughs> and so this is, this is this is new for me to hear and to, and to understand you alluded to to a bigger incident um what what, what was that about what happened there well, so I, I was coming home from visiting my sister, um, hadn't seen her because of lockdown and stuff. So finally was able to, I was like, yay. Um, but yeah, I had work the next day. So I came, I took one of the last, almost last trains. So around about nine o'clock at night um, on a Sunday. And I heard some commotion happening upstairs on, at Derby train station on the bridgeway. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh gosh, is there football on or something? And I was like, oh, okay, well, let me just mind my business and carry on, you know. And then as I got up to the stairs, I noticed there was like six to eight policemen and policewomen. And there was one young black boy being surrounded by about four, four or five of them. Not surrounded, but they were all in his area. And then there was two other people, one white lady, one white man shouting like literally kicking off further down the, the railway and I thought that's strange just in terms of ratio <laughs> there's two people kicking off there's one person stood and not necessarily saying anything just with a, an upset face so I mean I, alarm bells immediately went for me because yeah that's just a, a not good use of resources um <laughs> But then as, as, I, as I read into it, I was like, okay, actually, this, this is more than that. So then I went to speak to the boy and I was like, oh, what's going on? And he, he then told me that actually what had happened was this lady had been shouting abuse at him and his friends all the way down on the train. And basically, by the time they got to Derby, they were just like, leave us alone. And they walked off. His friends lived on one side of the bridge and he lived on the other. So he was separated. And that's why the police cornered him basically and I was like okay well basically once they all figure whatever it is that's supposed to be happening just keep your calm don't get irate don't get upset they're doing their jobs so here's some money grab a cab home and leave it at that 
And then I was like, oh, I felt like there was nothing else that I could offer in that situation. Sure. So I walked down the stairs and I called my friends and I just needed to process what was going on and yeah. basically trying to make sure that I wasn't reading into the situation, trying to make sure that I wasn't just assuming things. And the more I talked about it, the more I realized these nuances, these little things that, yeah, there was one person who was being surrounded by six people, whereas two people were actually being, would, would look like they were actually going to do something. So then I carried on upstairs and I was like, actually, what's the actual, so I asked one of the policemen, like, what's the actual problem? What's the situation? And they explained that there was a complaint and I was like, okay, so does he need to stay? What's the process? What, what do you guys basically trying to find out what their standard procedure would be and kind of figure out whether or not this was what I thought it was. And yeah. the more I spoke, the more the story changed with the policeman. And then they said, then the, the other two people left the building. So they hadn't been asked for their details or anything like that. They hadn't been stopped. There was only one police officer with the two of them and they left. So in my mind, well, the, the situation is being diffused. Everybody should be able to go home and investigations happen. And then you come back and whatever happens, happens. Sure. Yeah. But they wanted to keep this young man. And I was like, well, Why? And they're like, well, he's a minor and this, that. So I was like, okay, fine, let's call his parents. And his parents can come pick him up and then he can go home. And they were like, oh, well, um, 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 we have to speak to the other police officer. And then the other guy came. So I asked him, well, can he go now? And basically every time I asked if this boy could go home, the story changed. It wasn't until I managed to get his mom on the phone using my, um, using my phone and trying to explain to the mother why his son, her son was being delayed. And it was when I mentioned that the, the only reason that I can see is that he's black and that's why they're keeping him this long. If it was any other race, then he would have been let go. As soon as I said that, the police officer then gave me a reference and said, okay, fine, you guys are free to go. And that right. then confirmed everything that I thought. Sure. And I, I know from talking to you about it, you then helped him get home and was able to, to talk to family as well, which was, yeah. which was fab. I think when we spoke about it before, I think um, it was closer to the, the incident and it was still quite, quite live in your mind, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and I guess, you know, it's stories we hear from other places, uh, be it other nations. Or, yeah other cities uh and i think what hit me as we spoke about it was here is a situation that happened in our city yeah. um, without wishing to make any judgment on what was or wasn't going on yeah just it didn't didn't seem to fit right didn't seem to be to yeah. be great um and yet this was something that was happening in our watch, if you like, in, in, our, yeah. in our city, in our, in, in our, in our time. Yeah. So I think obviously there are things that, 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 do, that do happen and that you and others experience that somebody like I wouldn't experience and, mm. uh, and see. And I think part of this journey for me, part of it for us as a church is to help understand other people's journeys and experiences and, yeah. and how they're, 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 so, they're so different. Um, and not being afraid to ask questions to help understand yeah. rather than assume, as yeah. perhaps we would have, would have done previously. Um, what about for, 
for us as a church. So it's a jubilee at the moment, obviously, um, as, as we would know, if, you, if you're part of us, have been, been part of us back in the day when we used to be able to meet together in a single place in person, as the phrase goes. Yeah. Um, if you were part of us then, you would know that Jubilee is currently a white majority church. Um, I guess you wouldn't necessarily know that if you're just watching us online. So just to give you some idea, that that would be, I think, a fair description of us at the moment. Um, but we're wanting Jubilee to be a great church, uh, a multiracial, diverse church for people of any race and, and background. Um, and, you know, I, I think I've said to you, T, I don't want Jubilee to be a white church that's nice to some black people. That's not what we're after at all. <laughs> what, we, what we want to build is, is, is oh, a genuinely multiracial church that is welcoming to people of any any racial background and one of the things i love about derby is there are a whole bunch of people here from all sorts of places around the world which is wonderful and we would love jubilee to be a welcoming a safe and loving environment for all for all of them so what would you say to us as a church how can we make some steps forward on that journey what what are your top tips well, top tips from t what what would you what, what would you say to that i think it all starts with loving well um and that means being specific to that individual and being present for that individual and that kind of everything else kind of filters through that so it's kind of like when you are trying to have a conversation with someone, obviously have a prefix. If it's, if it's a conversation that you think will be hard, even just simply saying this, I'm uncomfortable with this conversation, but I really want to get better. Just that simple honesty, that simple, um, basically humbling yourself, saying, actually, I know I don't have all the answers, but I really want to learn. That's what that statement says, that actually... I don't know everything. I know I'm probably going to put my foot in it, but if you would bear with, and I would like to learn, I'd like to get to know better. The same way you do with children. You don't just like, oh, why don't you know how to do that? (laughs) 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 Or because they're children, they don't really get it. You know, step by step. And it's also about being genuine. I think that's the other big part. Um, it's easy to fall into tokenism and just having the conversation because everybody's having a conversation. What changes that dynamic is being genuine and building genuine friendships and genuinely wanting to learn and grow and be willing to say, I'm sorry, to, w- to be willing to say, actually, I messed up there. There's nothing, it doesn't take anything away from you to say actually I messed up but if anything else it builds someone up it it creates a bond it creates a connection to say actually we're all human it it brings out our humanity and being open to that conversation being open to being corrected like the bible says you know it's being open to have being corrected and saying actually but equally you know keep asking keep going keep it's not going to be an easy ride, basically. There's not a, it's not an easy fix. At the end of the day, we have history behind us. Like on, on all fronts, there, there's history. But it's about being patient, being loving, being kind, and being open, I would say. Patient, loving, kind, and open. Patient, <laughs> loving, kind, and open. Yeah. Well, 
thank you T for sharing some of your story there's some great top tips there and lots we can put into practice so thank you so much for your honesty and openness with us thank you for being part of this journey and uh, we look forward to putting some of those things and more into practice in the coming days sounds good thanks for having me <laughs> thanks T once again a huge thank you to T for that interview well done on a, on a great interview there it was really good to talk some of these things through with her. Now, right at the end there, T's top tips were these. Be patient, be loving, be kind, and be open. There's probably four great points for a sermon there, and I could pick up on any one of them. But for the remainder of our time together, let me pick up on this one. Be loving. Be loving. Loving one another, loving others, it's right at the heart of Jubilee. Right after loving God, it's central to who we are. We've talked about this for years, loving God and loving one another, loving those who don't know Jesus yet, serving our city and reaching nations are the things that God has put in us that he's calling us to. But what does it mean in this context? You know, loving one another lo loving others it's it's not just there in our list of values because we had a leadership team meeting once and came up with a list and thought hey they sound good let's go for them no no it's in the list because it's in the book right the way throughout scripture time and time again loving others is is in god's words it's there and, and not just in the new testament either in, in leviticus 19 we find God giving Moses various laws that are to govern the people. Leviticus 19 verses 33 and 34 say this. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And just in those two verses, God reminds his people that he is the Lord. He is their God. And he's very clearly, very clearly instructing his people to love others, to love those who are different to them, to love those who were from a different place, of a different culture or language, background, different colour. God clearly makes it so clear that people are to be treated, whether they're native born in their country or from somewhere else, they're to be treated in the same way. Love them as yourself, God says. Couldn't be any clearer, could it? A couple of weeks ago, I spoke from the parable of the Good Samaritan. We find it in Luke chapter 10. You can take a look there in Luke's gospel if you missed it. And we find in this story, this parable, this story that Jesus tells, we, we see that it's the Samaritan who is the hero of the story. It's he who loved his neighbour. It was the foreigner that, that really showed and demonstrated God's love because he was the one putting it into practice. So in our day and in our time, 
who is it that should be showing up to demonstrate God's love and putting it into practice now? Who should be doing that in our day and our time? Well, friends, surely it should be those who are the disciples of Jesus. Those of us who call ourselves Christians. Surely it's our job to respond in that way. Now, if we're honest about it, the church hasn't always done a great job of this. There are far too many times in, in church history where, where previous generations have got it wrong, and in some cases got it badly wrong. But before we're too quick to judge others, we need to look at the log in our own eye as well. Again, if we're honest, there are too many times when we've got it wrong. Maybe we have said something, maybe we haven't said something that should have been said. Maybe our actions haven't really demonstrated God's love as he would want it to. But you know what? In these days, we have an opportunity to be different. We have an opportunity before us now, right, right now, even today, even in these moments, we, we have an opportunity that God has put before us to make some decisions, to take some actions, and to live differently. This is, this is not just jumping on the latest bandwagon. This is getting right back to what God said at the beginning. This is a reminder, it's a reminder of electric shock proportions that this is important to God. And because it's important to him, it should be important to us as well. Jubilee, we know the verses that talk about loving one another. We know about Jesus in John chapter 13 instructing his disciples to love one another. We, we've read the verses that uh, Peter writes in his first letter in chapter 3. We've plenty of other examples as well that we could refer to if we had the time. We've read about it in his words. We've talked about it on many times. But right now we have an opportunity to put it into practice. Loving well. Loving others well will, will help to overcome barriers that might otherwise be there because of language or colour or race. But to do that, you need to be specific about it. You've got to ask questions, not assume. You've got to be proactive. These things that Raj was reminding us of just last week. And he talked about the need for proximity. You can't love well from a distance. You need to be close to people, to find out about their history, to, to build relationships, to have meals together, to understand how different cultures celebrate. It needs proximity to work well. We often talk about the challenge, don't we, of, of long distance relationships, maybe uh, in, in times of when you're dating somebody, Maybe you're going out with someone from a different place and you've got that long distance relationship and it's a challenge to it because there isn't the proximity. You, you can't get to know each other well in the same way as you could if you were spending more time together. The same applies here in terms of 
getting to know others of a different background requires proximity and intentionality. So the question for us is, are we doing this? Are you doing this? Am I doing this? If we're going to make the journey from racism to gracism, we need to be proactive about showing God's love. Let's actively look for ways to demonstrate it, for ways to show it, for ways to put it into practice. Raj talked about having compassion, not projects. He wasn't saying that projects are a bad thing, but rather too often we can treat people as a project. Having genuine compassion and genuine love for people helps stops us, helps will help stop us doing that. Jesus was moved by compassion. And I, and I know, because I've talked to many of you, I know that we have been moved by compassion and shock over recent weeks, over the often racist treatment of black people and people of colour. We've been shocked about this. Not that it's new, but we're seeing it anew. And we've been moved by compassion to, to do something different and to demonstrate what God would have us demonstrates and so we're standing up we're saying no more it has to stop here and we want to play our part in not only seeing it stop in our day and in our time but more than that pointing to another way a better way a way that we find in Jesus the Jesus way that we we see in God's words when a psalmist says, may all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and, and sing for joy. This is the Jesus way. This is the way that God has for us. That all nations might together, join together in harmony, praising him, worshipping him. And we know it's going to be like that at the end of time. Revelation makes it really clear. Peoples from every tongue and tribe and nation and people group there before the throne, worshipping the Lamb, worshipping Jesus. We know it's going to be like that in that day. Wouldn't it be great if we see it like that in our day? So as we close, let me ask some questions of you and indeed of me. Who are you getting to know who is from a different background to you? Maybe a different colour or a different first language. Who are you getting to know like that? Getting to know, building relationship with, understanding their story all helps to build friendship and overcome barriers that might otherwise be there. Last week, Raj said that minority cultures often keep themselves to themselves. So who is it that you're looking to love and to serve from a different culture or background? I really believe that God has got some exciting things for us in store, Jubilee. I know that's true in Burton as well as in Derby. And one of these things is the opportunity to build a community that reflects the love and community of heaven right here on earth 
And I want to call us together to go for it with all our might. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we see in Scripture. Thank you for the great story we read right throughout the Old and New Testaments. And we pray today that you would help us to love well, to build relationships and friendships with others from different backgrounds, different nationalities or languages. And that, Lord, together we might build that wonderful, glorious, multicoloured, multi-ethnic church community that you're calling us to be. And in so doing, we might see something of heaven come to earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Sunday morning.